1: nfr extra episode 67 we're joined by the multi-talented pam minnick rylan what does this episode entail
2: Um, There is not one word to tell us what this episode entails. We walk down a little bit of memory lane, some history of Las Vegas, which is so fun. Then we talk about rodeo. You talk about dancing a little bit, food. I think I hit most of it.
1: You know, doing the research on her, a couple of things. She's won many awards. The thing that stuck out to me, and I know, you know, we talk a lot of people who have been in like a Hall of Fame, maybe Two Hall of Fames. She's been in five Hall of Fames and there could be more, I'm sure, that they're out there that aren't being listed online or something like that, but five Hall of Fames, right? When we talk about just being part of the Texas Hall of Fame, some other Hall of Fame, etc., etc. Um, it just adds to the fun that we had with her. Um, yeah, Vegas. Can't forget about Billy Bob's and what she's attached to and what, what her and her husband have done there, but I think how they handled the pandemic. You know, Just let all the listeners know that typically people we've talked to have used her they've dealt with the pandemic a little differently in our past guests where things really didn't impact them all that much. It definitely impacted uh, Billy Bob's and you'll find out a lot more about that with this conversation.
2: And then the way they just reacted to it, keeping that, you know, group together and whole. It's just, it's nice to see that in our world today.
1: And obviously should you got to listen to hear who they're they're bringing and who they're possibly bringing and all the other things that they got going on at Billy Bob's during the NFR in Arlington.
2: It will be a great time in the stockyards. We'll be right across the street. I can't wait.
1: Enjoy this episode with the atomic blonde, Pam Minnick. But up next, Bryland Bentley's Rodeo News of the Week.
0: This is Brian.
3: The Rodeo News of the Week.
2: The date is set and the Cowboys and Cowgirls will be in the arena. The 2020 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo participants will be introduced to the world and receive their back numbers on December 1 at the NFR Welcome Reception in the home of the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. And a big congratulations to our 2020 award nominees. Ram world standing leaders are all around Stetson Wright, bareback rider Tim O'Connell, steer wrestling Matt Reeves, team roping header Luke Brown, team roping healer Joseph Harrison, saddle bronc rider Wyatt Casper, tight on Roper Shad Mayfield, bull rider Sage Kimsey.
0: Cowboy Christmas. The Wrangler NFR's official gift show is coming to the Fort Worth Convention Center December 3rd through 12th. Don't miss the biggest and best Western gift show in the world. You'll find Western apparel, art, furniture, jewelry, and more. There's also a lineup of live events featuring country music stars and NFR contestants, autograph sessions, giveaways galore, and admission is free. Get more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas. We're all in in Texas, and it's all here. Hi, this is George Taylor, CEO of the PRCA, and you're listening to NFR Extra.
1: Atomic Blonde is how her Las Vegas birth announcements read. Pam Minick is a former Miss Rodeo America and 1982 women's world champion breakaway calf roper. Her accomplishments include actress, movie stunt person, businesswoman, and sports commentator. Pam's spirit and dedication make her a true ambassador of rodeo. Pam Minnick, welcome to NFR Extra.
4: Thanks for having me. Excited to tell you a little bit about what's going on here.
1: First of all, let's go where it all started. Clearly, the NFR this year is not in Las Vegas, but you're from Vegas. I uh, I understand there's a a tab I've read about you, Atomic Blonde. Can you... uh, Can you elaborate on what the Atomic Blonde is and coming from Vegas is all about?
4: Okay, Well, um, I was born in Las Vegas and both of my parents at the time worked at the Nevada test site. And so my mom thought, oh, it would be cute if her birth announcement said Atomic Blonde. So, um, you know, luckily I ended up in a career and with a personality that is a little bit electric because if I was you know, some mamby pamby girl, atomic blonde would have not really fit me later in life, but it still kind of sticks a little.
1: You're part of a Vegas that a lot of people talk about. Like it's just this Vegas that seems to be kind of frozen in time. And it was very special time in Vegas. What was it like growing up there? And from what I understand, there wasn't too much rodeo going on in your family. Is this correct? Or horse world? I mean, is this
4: my parents uh, tell the the time they passed away never uh, never even rode a horse but there was so you know how all the all the hotels are themed now but at the time there they weren't really themed I mean unless you consider stardust a theme and the silver slipper which had a big silver slipper on it you know the crazy thing is I see that neon graveyard and I remember when all those neons were new (laughs) not saying that I'm old but but um, so there was going to be this this new casino that was going to be going in and it was going to be called Vegas world and it was going to have a Western theme. So there was a a hitch of horses, uh, Palomino quarter horses that were pulling this wagon up and down the strip, which at the time was not six lanes, as you can imagine. And, um, and the, the hotel never got its, got off the ground, but it was going to be a themed hotel, you know, a Western theme so my mother, who was very gregarious, and I, most of my outgoing personality came from her, my mother had made friends with the people, and we had always begged for a horse, and we lived out there right off sunset just south of the airport, which was McCarran Field flying in from the Las Vegas Boulevard side at the time, and those of you that know Vegas know how cool that entrance to McCarran Field is. Um, and so she had made friends with these people and when they were leaving to go back to Missouri and take this hitch of horses back, she bought those two horses for us. Um, I was nine and my sister was seven. So that would have been in the 1960s for $300 a piece. And I joined the local 4-H club, the brush brush popper 4-H club, shout out to them if they're still in business. And, um, and that's where it began. I mean, we rode bareback for the first six months because we didn't even have a saddle. So when I say we were green, we were the type of people that were like, "Yeah, I'm going to get a horse, a young horse, and we're going to learn together." But <laughs> thankfully, we did, and it and it and it began there. And there's an arena over by Sunrise Mountain called, and there's a riding group there called Sunrise Riders, and they had these gymkhanas and junior rodeos every weekend. And some of my friends at school that had horses, their parents would come pick pick me and my horse up and take us there until later we talked to my stepdad into buying a truck and a trailer. So it, our, our, to say my beginnings in the horse industry were humble is an understatement.
1: Now the Western, I mean, there's some Western lifestyle in Vegas, obviously, and we know this and Bob Tallman, and we'll talk about this later, but not in Vegas, but he's uh, Northern Nevada. Yeah. But were you aware of Mr. Binion and kind of his workings in the rodeo world back then?
4: Well, yes, because I went to school um, with you know going to school with with icons was something that we kind of took for granted at the time. Uh, Judy Garland lived right behind us, um, and so I went to school with Lorna Luft. Uh, Liza Minnelli was a few years older than I was, believe it or not. Um, and then Brenda Michaels, Brenda Binion, her younger sister, Becky, was just ahead of me in school. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we did on Friday and Saturday nights. If we weren't at a high school rodeo, we were cruising Fremont Street and going in Binion's and picking up the phone and making obscene pages on the phone. You know, So that's what kids did for a good time back then. Talk about rodeo in Vegas, you were asking about that. You know, we didn't have, we had a lot of junior rodeos, Little Britches rodeos. Um, I don't think, I don't think there was even amateur rodeos there. And when you competed in high school rodeos, you talk about fortitude. Every high school, Las Vegas had one high school rodeo a year. Every other high school rodeo was either in Fallon, Winnemucca, Battle Mountain, Elko, Ely, so every weekend it was an 800-mile round trip for those kids that high school rodeoed if they lived in Vegas. But there were some great great high school rodeo athletes in, in Vegas. Um, Wes Adams, you know, both of his kids have ended up going to the NFR. Wes passed away not too long ago, but he was the most recent owner of the Lazy E Arena prior to, the, to Gary McKinney purchasing it. But his kids, Logan and Randon Adams, both have gone to the NFR. But Wes was high school rodeoed with us.
1: So your life was on the 95 a lot back then, uh, if you were heading up to rodeos a little bit, right? Yeah,
4: I don't even think it was (laughs) I-95.
2: I definitely know what you're talking about when it comes to high school rodeo in Nevada. And don't ever be surprised when it snows on you in the middle of June or July in Ely, Nevada, because it will. And Eureka, state finals both times. Yep, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Sunrise Arena, I can't even begin to explain. I feel like that was just a place in Vegas where every person, if you did any sort of gym Canna, any sort of rodeo, you've had to have been there once, and they're still putting on the gym Cannas and the small barrel races today.
4: Wow. There's, a, there's actually a Facebook group dedicated to that, yeah. Yes.
2: Switching gears a little, though, not high school rodeo. We talk pro rodeo. NFR. NFR has a huge place in Las Vegas, obviously, the last 30-plus years. And what does NFR mean to you in Las Vegas?
4: Well, the neat thing about it is I, um, if I work at this NFR, it will be the fourth location that I've actually worked in broadcasting in. Um, in Oklahoma City, uh, after I was Miss Rodeo America, I did the national finals telecast in the old Coliseum in Oklahoma city um, and then moved to the myriad downtown Oklahoma city. And then of course in 85, when it moved out to Vegas, I got a chance to do the national finals broadcast there probably seven or eight years. And so if I work here, this will be the fourth location, but I'm, I think it'll be a temporary home in Texas because to me, Las Vegas put, um, put the national finals rodeo in a in a sports league um, thanks to the dedication of not only Mr. Binion but Mr. Gone because Michael really made sure that that uh, that, that it stayed the course um, and it was a time those of you that know when the people talk about Vegas being dead during December every hotel used to remodel their showroom in December prior to the NFR moving there, and there's a lot of great conventions, I'm sure, that can come to town, but I don't think anybody comes to town with the enthusiasm and the expendable income and the stamina to stay 10 days and party like rodeo fans. And so I think it's been a perfect marriage and truly the commitment of Las Vegas, along with the visitor dollars that they spend have given rodeo athletes you know, an opportunity to make what I think they deserve now.
2: Absolutely. And now it's one of the top 15 weekends occupancy-wise in Las Vegas. It's a huge event for us.
1: You're not going to get an argument out of us about the importance of NFR in Las Vegas. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Pam's Rodeo Beginnings in Vegas.
2: Do you need a dose of social, a dash of insider info? Then the National Finals Rodeo Social Network is set up just for you. Get updates, insight, unique content, and much more on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can find us at Las Vegas NFR. And be sure to use hashtag WranglerNFR on your posts and tweets. There's something for all rodeo fans. This is the NFR. This
0: is Vegas. Hey everybody, this is Aaron Watson, and you're listening to NFR Extra.
1: We're back with former Miss Rodeo America, Pam Minnick. Pam is a member of the National Cowgirl Museum and Hall of Fame in Fort Worth, Texas.
5: I want to scoot back to when I've got two little girls myself and I've got a my a son. He's the middle one. I can say no to him super easy. But you talk about like uh, two little girls going to their mom and dad and wanting a horse. Oh, now you got to buy a truck and a trailer and all this. How did that lead into your parents, um, I guess what I'm asking is it takes a tremendous amount of, of support from a family to compete for the Miss Rodeo America. So kind of walk us through on that side of it to where, I mean, there's, there had to have been maybe some, some of the big crocodile tears or just the big smiles, but leading into Miss Rodeo America and your victory there.
4: Well, I wasn't a pageant girl. I thought of myself as a cowgirl. And the way that I got into the Miss Rodeo America pageant is kind of crazy I worked for a man named Dean Shindel, and if you know anything about rodeo in Las Vegas you may have heard his name Um, he was uh, he was a PRCA bulldogger but he was a he was a wealthy gentleman that loved bulldogging and he loved cowboys and he opened his home to cowboys every year he lived right off of Sunset and uh, between Pecos and right around Sunset and Pecos let's say um, and he had great arena there, had super duper horses, James Conn hung out there all the time, um, just a lot of people that liked rodeo would always hang out with him, and so they had the Miss Rodeo America pageant, long before it was held with the NFR in Oklahoma City, it was held in Las Vegas, and I was actually crowned in Las Vegas, the pageant was held as a separate event, it wasn't held alongside a rodeo, and I don't know how long it had been held in Las Vegas, but... Quite quite some time. So one year when I after school, I rode horses there. I had two after school. Well, three after school jobs. And you'll kind of know the connection of all of them. My first one was at the Hacienda Hotel, uh, which is where the Mandalay Bay is now. Uh, Judy Bailey owned that. Those, it's that rare and palomino horse. If you've seen the neon graveyard, mm-hmm. so I worked after school at the hacienda hotel typing in the publicity department. Then I worked uh, for Dean Shindell after school riding horses. And that's where this whole Miss Rodeo America. And my other after-school job was at Lamb and One, working for um, Darwin and Sheriff Lamb's Company, which is a beverage company. So those were my three Vegas jobs. But um, so the, they had the Miss Rodeo America pageant horsemanship at Mr. Shindel's Arena. And at that time, you had to tie goats in the in the pageant. I mean, in the part of the horsemanship. And there were these girls there that didn't know how to tie goats. Brylan probably knows where I'm going because she's a cowgirl and. I can't imagine that any bona fide cowgirl wouldn't know how to tie a goat. And so I'm behind the barn showing these girls how to tie a goat and and I said to Mr. Shadell after the all these foo-foo girls left the the arena, I said, How can they call themselves a cowgirl if they don't know how to tie a goat? So he said, If you think it's so easy, why don't you run for Rodeo Queen? So it was really kind of a dare. So that was in December of the previous year which would have been i don't even know uh, 72 maybe 71 so then in 72 in may i ran for miss heldorado which was our big rodeo there days, it yeah. was held there at it was held down at cashman field at the time so i ran for miss heldorado and i won then in september i ran for miss rodeo nevada which was at the state fair up in reno and i won that and in november 2 months later I ran for Miss Rodeo America and I won. So I didn't have a whole lot of experience and I could sew really, really good. So I made almost all of my outfits and um, and there was a lady named Judy Morio that had Universal Models. It was a modeling agency and she felt so sorry for me after I won Miss Helderado <laughs> that she took me under my wing, so to, under her wing to make sure that I didn't make a fool of Las Vegas when I went to Reno. But um so that's it. My, my pageant experience was very short and not that expensive because of, because of, you know, simple people got simple ways.
5: So the atomic blonde blew up for the yeah. Miss yeah. Rodeo America deal and made it happen. Yeah. That's awesome. So you kind of had, you had other people with the support. What was your parents outlook on this thing? Did they, did they just kind of scratch their head and figured out Pam's going to do what Pam wants to do? Or what no, was their thoughts mother, on it?
4: My mother, told us from a very early age. I remember when I was four years old, I said, I can't do something. And she said, I never want to hear that word in my house again. In fact, when I do speeches place in different places, that's the first slide that I put up is that my mother said that can't won't be allowed in our house. So um, we just grew up with such a positive attitude. I mean, they, it, it wasn't about financial resources. It was about spiritual resources and just, making us believe that anything we could do, we would.
2: Well, a little hard work, anything is possible, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about accomplishments and you have a lot of them, but one of them I'd like to highlight is the women's national finals rodeo 11 time and a world champion calf roper. Mm -hmm. The breakaway roping is now going to the national finals rodeo there in Texas.
4: Talk about a little bit about what this means to the women's industry? Well, I'll, over on the wall there, I'll shine over there. My world champion buckle is on the wall there. So, um, uh, you know, I love breakaway roping. Um, I I still feel like I could be competitive um, if the other girls were on Valium or something. But, <laughs> uh, because, you know, at the time most of them were averages so you catch two you're going to place in the average deep you know and it's just like tying goats I can remember when we tied goats in 14 and rope calves in three and that just doesn't happen anymore but it's I'm sure the same thing happens when Roy Cooper says yeah I remember when I was 10 and the calf roping which doesn't happen anymore so it's gotten really really tough and competitive and I'm so glad for you know for those girls to get a spotlight shine on them I'll tell you how happy I am about this um the I'm putting on a ranch rodeo next week um, in the stockyards and at the ranch rodeo I put in breakaway roping so every one of the ranches has to have a female on their team so they can be their breakaway roper so I, I, I love seeing the spotlight shine on the girls and I'm just so excited for them
2: I love that and ranch rodeos I know envy you probably never watched one but they are actually a whole lot more fun
1: when we think about it being in Texas can you elaborate being because you're you're attached to the, to the media side what does the exposure do for this there in Texas and what it means to a lot of the young ladies that are in Texas opposed to anywhere else in the country
4: Well, I can't speak so much for the young ladies, but I will tell you for our area and especially for the stockyards and and for our business at Billy Bob's it shines such a big light and it would be a it would be a big spotlight in any year, but when you talk about this year of COVID when our business was closed for five months, so to get, this really is cowboy Christmas for us. Um, you know, we we'll, we normally have Friday and Saturday night concerts, now we've got 10 days of concerts. Um, and so, so for our business, um, the NFR, is, is a salvation. And I hope it's a salvation for rodeo as well. And for the sponsors, because, you know, while I know that Las Vegas would have, would have put it on if, and still could, but without fans, is it, it's not the rodeo that they expect and it's certainly not the rodeo that the sponsors expect. So I think that um, I think that this has been just a perfect marriage of, two communities or actually three communities that chose to work together for the betterment of, of the sport, you know, Las Vegas saying, yes, let's do this and let's help you do this. Um, Fort Worth and Arlington both saying together, we can make this work because uh, Fort Worth has got, you know, kind of the atmosphere and Arlington's got the facilities. So it was, it's really a marriage of, of three, there's three people in this bed. What can I say?
1: God bless Texas. Perfect time to take a break. Pam shares how she went from competing to broadcasting when we return.
2: The first national finals rodeo was held in 1959. Since that time, the greatest cowboys and cowgirls have graced rodeo's biggest stage in pursuit of a coveted gold buckle and the title of a world champion. We continue to honor the top 60 NFR contestants of all time. Born in Mesquite, Texas, Don Gay grew up in a rodeo family, the son of legendary stock contractor, Neil Gay. He began riding steers at the age of six and had an association permit before finishing high school. Once he graduated, Gay left home with $400 and won more than $400 in his first rodeo in Illinois the next day. The rest is history. Gay at 5'7 and just under 150 pounds, had the perfect build and mental approach for bull riding. He was a giant in the sport, winning four consecutive world champions from 1974 through 77. The PRCA season champion in 1978 and then followed with another three consecutive world championships in 1979 through 81. By 1984, Gay had eight of those titles on his resume, the most ever. And 35 years later, Gay is still the king, the winningest bull rider ever. During his career, he qualified for the NFR 13 times, but one of the most memorable rides occurred in San Francisco in 1977 in the old Cowtown Palace Sports Arena. Gay rode the famous RSC Bull Oscar to a stunning score of 97 points, the third highest mark ride in history. Today, you can hear Gay providing commentary on television. He was inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 1979.
1: Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit NFRExperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've been hearing on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year.
5: I'm eight-time world champion bull rider Donnie Gay, and you're listening to NFR Extra.
1: Pam Minnick is here on NFR Extra. Pam and her husband, Billy Minnick, own Billy Bob's Texas, the world's, largest honky-tonk in fort worth texas it was opened in 1980 you pulled a tony romo you went from athlete you know competing then you jumped to the broadcast side how did you go from athlete to broadcast doing what you've been doing now for quite a while now how did that where did it start and kind of transition into the success that you've created
4: If you know anything about Miss Rodeo America, you you know that you spend a lot of time on camera talking about the sport of rodeo. And so um, that was 1973 was the year that I was Miss Rodeo America. And at the time there was, I don't actually remember any broadcasts that particular year. But in 1976, Wrigley's Big Red Gum um, decided that they were going to televise a rodeo. And they called and said, can you do the sideline reporting. And I said, sure. I had no idea that I should even say anything but that because my mom didn't make our brains wired that way. And um, when I tell people that have gone to school for journalism or communications or anything else, and I tell them that my first broadcast was live on CBS, it, it comes with a little bit of shock but the great thing is is that I the one thing that I think has made me decent as a as a reporter is the fact that unlike today where I'm doing a lot of talking is that I'm willing to take a step back and ask a question that I might know the answer to and allow the athlete to answer the question and I try to pose the question to where they can't answer with yep or nope um, and um but you have to one of the things that that I forget until Justin McBride reminded me the other day um Justin was telling a story about me being the first person that he had ever given an interview to and he was scared to death at the time in 1970s in the 1980s and even up to when the PBR began in 1993-94, it, it, athletes just didn't get, rodeo athletes just didn't get interviewed. So, you know, then later, fast forward 10 years later, 2004, they already know what their answer is going to be because they've been practicing it with a hairbrush in front of the mirror since they were five years old. But... Um, but allowing them to speak. And so to do that, I just had to ask them a question they were passionate about. And because I've been a an athlete and, and because I've done almost every event except for riding a bull um, and my bronc riding has not been by choice. It's been by accident. Uh, but uh, I, I know the fine points of a ride to really focus on, to make them talk about it. Now there's so much television and the fans are a little more well educated that, sometimes digging in that deep is, is might be too much, but at the time, you know, if you focus on the fourth jump of the ride, when the guy's hips are shifted, they'll tell you about it. And those, and those are the things that was my goal was to make stars of them.
1: Yeah. You've got to be part of like this, how do we educate the viewer, what they're seeing and kind of utilize the, the, the content, which is the contestants and this kind of conduit to doing that. That that's cool because if, where you're at now, and what's happened with the media business for rodeo has changed drastically. Mm-hmm. As for any of us can tell, obviously I brought up Mr. Metters earlier. Clearly, yeah. I know you have a relationship with him uh, via this uh, industry, and I've seen some pictures of you interviewing some pretty cool people like George Strait and things like that. Mm-hmm. Who, who's probably one of your one of your favorites that you got to sit down and talk to, or still get to talk to?
4: Gosh, I mean, they're all you know, everybody's got a great story to tell, you know, some of them are not so much um, what I experienced, but that what I, what I was able to bring out of them. One of my most memorable interviews was right there at the MGM when Tuff Hedeman got hit in the face by bodacious and we're live at the time TNN was covering the show. And the director says to me, go follow him to the locker room. And, you know, I mean, is if you've seen the pictures, you know that his face was rearranged, and I looked at him, and I said, hey, buddy, and he said, tell my wife I'm okay, and that spoke to my heart so much. I, don't, I think it wasn't just because I was a girl. I think it was because that when everybody else was so thinking that he might die from having his head smashed, he was worried more about whether his wife uh, was freaking out about it. So... That's, that's one that'll always stick with me.
1: Yeah. So we had, we interviewed him last d- during the 20, 20 2019 NFR uh, on the podcast. And somehow he's fun to talk to, right? Like at first we gave him he you makes know,
4: so much fun of himself. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He's it's, yeah. it's all, all open. Right. And you know, we gave him like uh Hey, we're going to be here for like 45 minutes. He was like, how long are we gonna be here? like this? Then he's like, all right, well, I got to go. Well, we ended up going 30 minutes past what we were gonna to talk to. Well, anyways, he revisited that injury and he walked us through how conscious he was during that whole time. And to your point, going back on the the gurney, everything, and just looking up on the replay and, or, or the, the video screen and just everything happening. And I was just like, wow, man. Like just, to, I've seen the images, we've seen, the everyone's seen the video.
4: He did, he stopped before they put him in the ambulance to look back to see if Adriana rode his bull or not. Oof. Yeah.
5: That's a bull rider for you. That's a spectacular sort of breed.
4: There's another fun story. Um, So Adriano, when he first came to the U.S., one of the first places he rode bulls was at Billy Bob's. And he loves to tell this story because I happened to be up in the announcer stand at Billy Bob's. And there was a guy up there because it's also a VIP area. And that at the time, you hadn't seen the Brazilian bull ropes, which to people that watch bull riding, they call them a backwards bull rope. So, he, um, so this guy's up there trying to impress his girlfriend, he goes, that guy, doesn't, he's going to hit the ground so hard, he doesn't even know how to put his bull rope on, right? And Adriano goes out there in pure Adriano fashion and just rides the dog off, you know, the hair off this bull. And I've told Adriano that story and he still tells it to people, when I first came to America, I go to be the boss. So, that's my impression. <laughs>
5: It was all right. Isn't all right. All right impression. <laughs> Let's see. We talk a lot about Billy Bob's. We've made, made mention that before. And uh, I was not a hundred percent.
4: My dog wants to look in. Oh, I was oh, like,
5: do you got a bear in your window? Ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Talk about Billy Bob's a little bit. Um, and, and just as far as for those people that have no idea of what, you know, if they've never been down to Fort Worth, have never been to Billy Bob's and what your role in Billy Bob's is.
4: Well, my husband and I are part owners um, in Billy Bob's. The club opened in 1981 and uh, it went bankrupt in 1988 and we bought it out of bankruptcy with three other partners. And um, so since 1989, um, we've been there. So it's we, Billy Bob's will celebrate its 40th anniversary this year. Uh, in April 1st of, of 2021 and we will have been there what 31 years. So, um, so yeah. And, and for 26 years, I was the marketing director and I'm still the vice president of marketing, but I'm not very active right now.
5: So how many, how many times do you guys have concerts like that? Like big name concerts or middle week concerts or what, what's the format uh, of that have,
4: deal? We have big name concerts every Friday and Saturday night um, so that's 104 minimum of 104 concerts a year. We have live bands Wednesday through Saturday night. And those are just like smaller bands, but to give you an example, George Strait was once our house band. Uh, Travis Tritt was once our house band. Um, there's, you know, a lot of people, the Juds used to be a house band for us. So there's a lot of people that kind of got their start on, on our front stage at, at Billy Bob's. Uh, but, um, I, I'd have to look on my phone to see who's coming this week. Next week is Randy Rogers and Wade Bowen and together doing a Hold My Beer tour. Uh, we've got Robert Elkina is actually coming up. He might even have two dates. During the NFR, we've got Cody Johnson, uh, at least two nights, maybe three. We've got Justin Moore, the Bellamy Brothers, oh. Travis Tritt, um, Stoney LaRue, and Wade Bowen. And Pat Green. Pat Green will be there two nights. So we've got 10 nights of concerts during NFR.
5: That that was my next question. (laughs) Who's playing during the NFR?
1: Sounds like Billy Bob's Texas will be the place to be after the NFR every night. Let's pause right there and continue talking about more entertainment and the impact of COVID-19 in the Fort Worth community.
0: Cowboy Christmas, the Wrangler NFR's official gift show is coming to the Fort Worth Convention Center December 3rd through 12th. Get more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas, we're all in, in Texas, and it's all here.
2: Want to relive the best NFR moments from the last 35 years? We've got you covered at NFRExperience.com. Check out the NFR History tab at the newly redesigned website for a walk or should we say a gallop down memory lane. You'll find images, recaps, and videos from the greatest moments from the last 35 years in Las Vegas. From Ty Murray to Trevor Brazil, Louis Field to Casey, Charmaine James to Mary Berger, Fred Whitfield to Joe Beaver, and everything in between, you'll find it here. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at the newly redesigned nfrexperience.com. This is NFR. This is Vegas.
3: An icon steeped in history. A place where cowboys would come to ride. And legends would be born on stage. The heartbeat of a city. Where the bulls are real. The dance floor breathes. And the neon glows. Or you're always greeted with a smile and a cold beer. Always growing. Never standing still. These walls can talk. They would tell you an authentic story. Story of a dream that would one day turn into a reality. This is Billy Bob's Texas.
0: Howdy, I'm Bob Tom, and this is NFR Extra.
1: We are here with Pam Minnick. Pam served as vice president of the WPRA, helping to bring about significant advances for women's rodeo. Part of our marketing for LVE with the NFR is our After Dark, and it's all about the live entertainment. And from, from the looks, the sounds, the tastes, it sounds like Billy Bob is NFR After Dark in Arlington, Fort Worth, you know, uh, what's going on for those 10 days. That's, I think a lot of people are going to expect to have a lot of fun every night after the NFR.
4: I hope so. You know, our biggest challenge is we've still got COVID um, uh, restrictions in place. We hold 6,000 people, uh, but with COVID, we're only selling like 2,500 tickets right now. We Every week, we hope that it, that it gets a little bit bigger. But like our Cody Johnson shows are already sold out. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time that NFR gets here, if maybe our Pat Green and Justin Moore shows will be sold out too. And that's unfortunate because then the people that come won't get to see that, but they'll get to come during the day. You know, we open at 11 o'clock in the morning and we don't, we don't close for concert admission until 6 PM. So if people just want to see what Billy Bob's is all about, come and do our lunchtime line dancing and things like that, they can, they can still do that. But if you haven't been to Billy Bob's, imagine a giant Walmart with 40 bar stations and a bull riding arena. We're going to have watch parties in our bull riding arena because there's no use having bull riding when the NFR is in town. So we're yeah. going to put up a big screen in our in our bull riding arena and have a watch party.
5: Oh, my God. That sounds like an amazing event.
4: Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like a handprint wall of some sort,
2: right? Could you elaborate on that a little bit? So in
4: 1989, when we uh, came back to Billy Bob's, um, or when we came to Billy Bob's, when we purchased it, we started doing the handprints of the people that had come there. And so, um, unfortunately, we lost the people that came from 81 to 89, like George Strait and Reba McIntyre and people like that that had performed early in their career there. But we got people like uh, Garth Brooks. The first time he came there was August 4th of 1989, and he sold 500 tickets at five dollars a piece. And so hmm. his handprints from that uh, that day, August 4th—excuse me, not October—his handprints from that August date are still on the wall. Um, Alan Jackson was there in uh, February of 1990. He played on our front stage as an opening act, and he went out to he went out back and wrote the song Dallas backstage at Billy Bob's and if you google Alan Jackson Billy Bob's it says that he wrote that song in our in our bus parking lot at Billy Bob's so that's you know there's some great stories and they're all told in those handprints there there's there's hundreds of handprints on display and the ones that are most meaningful at least to me are the people that are no longer with us like Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings you know and it seems like every time there's an icon in the music industry that passes away, the first thing the local media does is come there and say, um, hey, do you have their handprints? Speaking of which, little segue here, um, you know, the in Las Vegas during the NFR, they've always done that Pro Rodeo League of Women's event, uh, which has been a lunch and fashion show. And it turns out to be about a four hour drunk fest of ladies having a great time and raising you know, nearly $100,000 every year for the Justin Cowboy Crisis Fund. Well, this year we wanted to be totally different than it's been in Las Vegas because the Gons have been so generous to JCCF, the crisis fund and everything. So we're doing it at Billy Bob's on Thursday, December 10th, and it's going to be a tribute to Charlie Daniels. Oh, Uh, Because, you know, Charlie was an original board member of the Justin Cowboy Crisis Fund. He always performed at the National Finals Rodeo. So our fundraiser for the Justin Cowboy Crisis Fund this year will be a tribute to Charlie Daniels. And we've got a guy that wrote a tribute song. We've got, um, right now I've got six fiddlers lined up along with some pretty good entertainers that are already going to be at and around Billy Bob. So it'll be a great lunch. So make sure that you guys have December 10th. Lunchtime. time. Lunch
1: time with me. Yeah, I uh, just man, Charlie Daniels was something else for us. I mean, he actually he's our opening and closing of this show is his song that he wrote for the NFR. Um, wow. So let's back into this real quick. Usually we've been starting off this with our interviews, but we wanted to dive right into your Vegas world and everything else. Clearly, this has been some absolutely bizarro times for everybody and survival of the fittest and how do you get around things and business wise. What, what has Billy Bob's been doing during, let's go back to March to now, what, what, what have y'all been doing to keep the boat floating and being creative? And what, what have you had to do?
4: Well, we were closed for five months, which wasn't very creative, but we had no choice. You know, this, it's, you, if they say you can't open, you can't open. We had an opportunity to open in May, And we didn't because we thought, oh, if we wait a few weeks until we get this right, we just didn't want to be a big spotlight is shined on us. So we didn't want to be the one that was perceived by those that are afraid of COVID, that we didn't want to be seen as the irresponsible kids on the block. So we waited and we didn't open until mid-June and we were open for six days when they closed all bars. So we kind of, you know, did we miss an opportunity? You can't look back. One of the things that we did do well, of course, we we got eight weeks of PPP money, which is great. And we were able to pay every single employee for those two months, including our bartenders and waitresses. And we actually prorated what their tips had been. So they got, it was a blessing for them. But then, you know, then that eight weeks was over and it was adios. But we redid all our bathrooms. We redid our kitchen. We tore the kitchen completely down to the studs and everything. So we used it, you know construction was essential. So they were able to do that. And then, um, and then when we finally, I mean, we, 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 you know, we bled millions of dollars, we're $7 million behind budget and for a small business mm. that that's a lot of money, you know, and they say you, you never make it up and we probably won't make all of it up. But as we talked about the NFR will at least maybe give us one month of that. You know that we that we lost those five months because it wasn't planned, um, but we we are lucky to be in an area, and we were lucky that our business has has been really good over the years, and we're not um, we're not over leveraged. There's a lot of places that I feel sorry for that are so dependent on their business as it is every single day, and we didn't have a big sack of money and what we had we sucked down pretty darn fast. Um but our team is so good. I mean there are people that worked that came to work even though they didn't have to just to make sure that we were able to get the messaging out there. We did a lot of live uh virtual events. I don't know if you saw any of mm-hmm. them. We did one for the FFA. We did several just to save musicians, you know, and and then for my birthday I did a fundraiser. Um, and I said to people, Don't send me a present, just donate money and i and I gave it to our bartenders and waitresses. so um, so you know, we did what we could do and and our heart goes out to those businesses that that aren't going to survive, but um, thank the Lord right now we're not one of those.
1: Thank you for telling that story because a lot of people don't know behind the scenes what's happening to to the industry, just across the country for a lot of folks that you know provide a special unique experience to their community and how much it's hitting them i mean clearly in vegas we know this but I mean, well,
4: and i use vegas as an example whenever people talk about how our entertainment business in texas and you know we've got a big initiative called save our stages we i, I think it's actually gone national now but it started right here in, in texas where we're trying to get some type of of help for the entertainment industry because those people, and it's not just the entertainer, it's their bands, it's the guy that owns the buses that are parked, you know, we've got a friend that's got 40 buses parked all over the United States because artists aren't touring. It's the stagehands, it's the guy that makes the merch. The trickle-down effect is huge, and it's the same thing in Vegas. So whenever you feel sorry for yourself, you look at Las Vegas and you realize that about 80% of the jobs or entertainment and event related in Las Vegas. And it goes to choreographers and back, background singers and the guys that turn on and off the lights, the production crew. So, you know, the, I I have a great faith in, in God, and I just know that there is a plan. Um, I just wish he didn't trust us quite so much right now.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> Definitely don't want to end on, like, a super just sour COVID note. So I obviously, no. you know. The good part is you're planning for December. Uh, You have a great lineup every night of the NFR. Sounds like a lot of activity, which is a breath of fresh air.
4: So we're kicking off the week with your friend, Mr. Bob Tallman, gets honored at Billy Bob's, the Pro Rodeo Legends Award. So that will be Monday, November 30th. So write that down. Tickets are available for that. Bob Tallman is the legend this year. And then the next week we have the R- resist all rookie of the year luncheon. We'll be at Billy Bob's. So we've got a lot of stuff. that will be fun daytime stuff.
5: I do have one question during uh, about you, that you're talking about the ranch rodeo that you're putting on. So you've got one girl, mandatory girl on each team only participate in the breakaway roping or does she have to participate in other events as well? She
4: also has to participate in the Maverick branding and she, and by choice they can participate in any of the, any of the events. Um, actually the girl would probably be a better milker. No, yeah. I'm just kidding.
5: <laughs> but, <laughs> but seriously. Yeah, yeah
4: but seriously. Um, but yeah, Maverick branding and breakaway roping and then anything else they want to participate yeah. in.
1: Pam, this was fantastic. I seriously appreciate you coming on. I mean, My pleasure. Yeah.
4: I'll, I'll take it. Th- I'll take you down memory lane in Vegas again. Yeah. There's still actually some people that are still alive that I hung with, you know, so <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. don't let this fool you.
5: I know. Look forward to seeing you at Billy Bob's.
4: You will. You
2: definitely awesome. will come by. Cool. Okay.
5: We're heading. Yeah. All right. Thanks Pam. Thank you, Pam.
2: Thank you.
1: We want to thank Pam Minnick for hanging with us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit NFRExperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've been hearing on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year.
0: Gotta make it out the Vegas. Where the big boys roam. With the rovers and the racers and the bulls and the browns. And the ladies in the skin tight wrangers and the cowboy hat.